Hello and welcome to episode 805 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It is Thursday, April 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. I'm still in quarantine. Same. Same. And uh, you know what? Time is, has slowed to a crawl because it feels like it's been so much longer than it has. Um, you know, but we're getting by. We're, we're doing our thing. Do you know what the anniversary is today? Uh, what, what today is the anniversary of April 23rd? I do not. Fernando Tatis hitting two grand slams in a single inning. Wait. Off the same pitcher. Yeah, that's one of those feats that's just never going to happen again, especially like, off of the same pitcher. It just uh, That's the craziest part. Yeah. Uh, it just Who's ever going to get the opportunity to have the bases loaded twice in the same inning, much less knock them both out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I just can't imagine any, uh, any manager is going to let a pitcher stay out there long enough to have that happen. Yeah, it's just it's just not gonna happen. So it's, it's just not gonna happen. And who's the pitcher? Chan Ho Park. Uh, I remember him. He was on a few of my fantasy teams. He's pretty good. Um, you know, and but I'm just surprised that they that they let him face Fernando Tatis twice with the bases loaded. It's just so insane. It's just so insane. He's gonna be known for that forever. That's a good feat to have, and of course, be the father of Fernando Tatis Jr. That might um, be the better feat. Exactly. <laughs> but it's pretty cool that, you know, even if Tatis Jr. goes on to have a trajectory of being a great player, and be like, yeah, his father played too. His father's still going to have his own distinct, really, 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 really cool thing. Two grand slams in the same inning off the same pitcher. That is Johnny Vandermeer back-to-back no-hitter type of stuff where you just can't envision it being broken. And again, the biggest step there would be off the same pitcher. That, that would be... That'd be a fun draft. The greatest feats that we'll never see again in baseball. Oh, it really would. You know, I mean, obviously... Uh, 56 hits. Yeah, the, the Cal Ripken's Iron Man record. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think we just came up with our draft for Tuesday. I was going to say, I think, think we got some ideas there. We'll probably do a cutoff so it's not like Cy Young win stuff, because that stuff, the game is so different from that. Like, we're not so far removed from the game that Cal Ripken played, but we're so unbelievably removed from 511 wins that, like, yeah, it'd be a good pick, I guess, in that it's true, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's almost a waste of time. So we'd probably start at a certain cutoff, like 1960 or something, and go yeah. forward from there. Or I guess that would cut off the 42 game, or the 50, 42, what? Um, the the 56 game hit streak. Maybe we could start at integration. Um, yeah, because I mean, exactly like, don't get me wrong, like Babe Ruth hitting more home runs than the rest of the league combined, yeah, is is an amazing feat. But I mean, yeah, completely mm-hmm. different game than it is yeah. today. Yeah, and nobody darker than me played. <laughs> so, like, you know, there was an entire league that he could have been playing against that uh, that would have maybe offered a different job, which is not his fault to say. You know, it's not up to Babe Ruth to do that, but it's like we have to put we have to put your feet in, into some context. So, yeah, that could be fun to do. But today we're going to talk about NL breakouts out of nowhere. We did the AL version two episodes ago. You know, if we get a season of some sort, the volatility should be off the charts. And um, 
I mean, who even knows how it could go? But these are guys that uh, are going about 300, pick 300 or later is what we're trying to look at. They could find some playing time and really go off. We're going to go by division. We're going to go east, central, west, the standard standings uh, set up there. We're going to start with Atlanta, and I'm going to let you go with your guy first. Oh, Atlanta wasn't, I mean, it wasn't super hard, but it also wasn't like filled with a bunch of like super, super deep cuts. Uh, I ended up going with two guys uh, who I've been getting a lot of shares of uh, in Kyle Wright and Ender Inciarte. Okay. Uh, I mean, Kyle Wright, I think there is going to be room in this rotation eventually. Obviously, the signing of uh, Felix Hernandez kind of as the... uh, um, you know, veteran presence to, to kind of secure up the back end of the rotation puts a little bit of roadblock in the fact that Cole Hamels, who was injured to start the year, should be, you know, or might be healthy. Back. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to say should be. 36 years old, who knows. But Good point. Uh, I think eventually Kyle Wright's going to work his way into that rotation, and 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 he can be a pretty dominating force. He was a pretty popular sleeper pick coming into last year, mm-hmm. uh, being faded this year uh, because he he flopped a little bit. Uh, but all the tools are there, all the skills. Uh, he's got great stuff uh, when he's able to locate it. So Kyle Wright's a guy I like, but Ender and Ciarte, especially if you know, and we're gonna talk about this a lot. Um, you know, my list is really large for the NL as opposed to the AL, largely because. If we're playing with DH rules, American League oh, rules yeah. in the national with National League teams, a lot of guys who were going to be platooning uh, or may not have gotten a full time role could have it, and I think Ender Ciarte is one of those guys uh, that could get a full time role if the uh, NL teams have the DH, and we're not that far removed from some pretty good fantasy seasons from Ciarte, especially from the speed department. So. Uh, NCRT is one of those guys that is is going way too late in drafts right now. Uh, yeah, those are great callouts, and frankly, this kind of worked perfectly for the setup that I had because I went with the other guy related to Wright last year, which was Bryce Wilson, the 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 young arms that uh, were being drafted late. Hopefully, one of them pops. Neither of them came through, and like you said, they both kind of busted. Uh, they're both pretty bad in their samples, and so they've been afterthoughts this year. Kyle Wright had an 8, 869, which is not that nice of an ERA. And Bryce Wilson had a 720, uh, both in about 20 innings. So neither of them really showed anything. But that's a tiny sample. And uh, Bryce Wilson's going to be 22 this year. Kyle Wright, 24. Plenty of time for them to improve. So I was hoping that you would take Wright and that, that my Wilson would kind of pair perfectly with it. So that worked. We didn't even confer beforehand on that. Uh, and I agree with you on the NCR thing. And he might not even need the DH situation because – he should at least be the strong side out in center field. And if he's running enough, that has value. Um, but like you said, the potential of a DH, that really flips some things in the NL. So we'll talk about that as we go team to team uh, about some guys who could get a DH role. And, and that might be why we like them a little bit more than otherwise. But um, Bryce Wilson for me, Kyle Wright, and Ender and Ciarte for you. Let's go over to the Mets. All right. Excuse me, Marlins. Marlins next. And uh, let's see who you've got on the Marlins. <laughs> so, I mean, someone asked me on a podcast recently, uh, or I think it was a live stream actually, who's the one player that you keep 
going back to when there's no real rational reason for it. Uh, and that's Lewis Brinson. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and I, uh, on that live stream, I said it was like the day before tout wars. I said, I would throw him out first in NL tout, uh, or at my first throw. So I was for, you know, with the, like the fifth throw of the, uh, of, uh, of tout wars, I got Lewis Brinson for a dollar. Um, overpaid too. Yeah. That's the crazy part. Yeah. No, it's, uh, uh, you know, when when you anchor your team with Lewis Brinson and Will Myers, you know things are going well for you. Oh, but God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there is obvious issues. I mean, the strikeout rate, the swing and the miss. Um, but he's also shown power uh, in the majors and the minors, shown speed in the majors and the minors. He could be one of those Drew Stubbs-like guys. Okay. Where the average sucks, you know, um, but maybe with a little luck, one year he hits 250 and then pops a bunch of homers and a bunch of stolen bases. And in a short season where the Marlins may be uh, less likely to, uh, you know, start the clock on a guy, you got a 26 year old Brinson who it's kind of a make or break season for him. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, if he doesn't show anything this year at age 26 i think even folks like you who are inexplicably still on board (laughs) will uh will have to give it up did you happen to see the thing i tweeted where somebody said messed around decided to put all 99s on lewis princeton and he still only hit 20 homers with like a 260 average i did not that's (laughs) It's uh, it's not surprising. Like Brinson's one of those guys. I mean, I think people forget. I mean, this was the number one prospect in all of baseball. So like, there's a long pedigree. Um, I mean, we still have his kind of prospect scouting report up on Fangraphs. I mean, you can go and see. Like, I mean, this was a guy who was supposed to have it all, uh, and just the hit tool has never developed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was supposed to be like you know Pete Carlos Gomez. Um, this dude loves spring training, though. He puts up the best spring training. Oh, and he was having a good spring training this year, and I was like, I'm, I'm back in. You. So it's, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't fall for it. And, you know, the nice thing is there's absolutely no price attached. So you take the shot and you see what happens. I think at least defensively, uh, he's going to get, uh, you know, full-time playing time to start. So... That being said, uh, there's obviously, I mean, they, they could go with a number of different guys. I mean, John Birdie doesn't have a full-time role. Uh, Matt Joyce, his corpse is still on this team. Uh, Sierra is an interesting guy with, with a ton of speed. They've got guys like um, uh, Monte Harrison uh, mm-hmm. and Jesus Sanchez and Harold Ramirez in the minor leagues. Even Matt Kemp's on this roster. So I know. Uh, there's definitely some guys who could come and take his role, but I think starting out, they're going to give him, they have no reason not to give him a chance to do something and, and, and then, you know, uh, try to recoup some of the value from the trade. Yeah. Because he was the centerpiece of the, uh, Yelich trade. How'd that work out? Not well, not great, Bob. Uh, not great at all. Like really, really, really awful. You know, a guy I love if they do get a DH in the NL, uh, my boy Harold Ramirez. I, I've lamented that 
I love the moves that they did. The Corey Dickerson move, the Jesus Aguilar move, even though it cut the playing time potential from two guys I really like, Garrett Cooper and Harold Ramirez. Um, I still really respect, and Jonathan VR would, would cut Harold Ramirez's time as well. But I still like the moves that Miami made. If we do get into a DH situation, of course, that makes Kemp, that makes Kemp like, Almost draftable in fifteen. I don't. I don't know. No. I, I have a soft spot for Kemp. I have a soft spot for Kemp. I'm gonna let me it, play, it's a, it's his put eyes, that out right? there. It is. There. I see how Rihanna fell for them. No, it's the fact that like we're not that removed from quality work. In eighteen, he was good. Last year was a twenty game injury washout. But I'd have to know that he was going to make the team. He was a non roster invitee. It would get me back in on Ramirez. But my pick. My pick is Isan Diaz. Okay, good, because he was the other guy on my list. Now, I call him Ison because he's icing these fools, because uh, in MLB The Show, he's awesome, and so we just started making a joke in my stream about him icing these fools whenever he comes up to play, to the plate, because they pitch to him for some reason, and he just has to ice these fools. And uh, But I know it is Isan Diaz. He was brutal last year. There's no two ways around it. But this is peak, to me, prospect growth isn't linear, that you're just going to take this 566 and be like, oh, this guy sucks. This, on, it's obviously on a negative end, but this really hits home that 201 plate appearances, it's, it's still a small sample. It really is. It feels meaty. feels like you can dig into it. It's a really bad sample. But in, in the minors, in 435 plate appearances, he put up a 132 with 26 homers and 70 ribbies. I just, I, I, I can't get my head around someone going from 132 to a 53, and the 53 is the legit one. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a 132. I don't think Diaz is going to be 32% better than league average as a major leaguer, but I think he's got some punch in his bat. He can take a walk, so even though the strikeouts are a little bit high at 29%, his swinging strike rate was not off the charts. I think he can curb that down to more of like a 25-26, and with a 10% walk rate, I'm with that. That's 25 homers over a full season. We're saying full season stuff because we have no idea how many games there are going to be. And a chip in amount of steals. He was 0 for 3 in the majors and 5 for 9 in the minors, which is not good. But he's going to he's gonna meander his way to 5 over a full season. So in our shortened season, probably 2-3, nothing to write home about. You're getting the power at a middle infield position and the playing time. I think he's going to play a lot. If he does struggle, Birdie's going to start to steal some of that time. But if he hits the ground running, I think he's locked in at second base. Isan Diaz is a guy I'm still believing in. Yeah, I think Diaz maybe was a bit too patient. Um, yep. And I think that really hurt him. Because like you said, Kinda he, like he's Biggio. not... Yeah, he's not swinging and missing outside the zone a whole bunch. And he's, his zone contact rate is is pretty decent. So, uh, I mean, he only had like about a 37.5% swing percentage. If he could bump that up towards the league average, which was about forty-seven percent, mm-hmm. and with, be a bit, bit more aggressive. Yeah, with his zone contact, he I should uh, be able to, you know, bump that average up quite a bit. I mean, he hits with power, uh, like you said, and I think he, uh, I think he's a guy that could be very interesting. You know, he's always going to strike out. He's and he has, yeah, you know, yeah, throughout going to be there. Yeah, so he's, we're looking at like a 260 cap on the average. Like that's things yeah. going really well. Babip running high, mm-hmm. and 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 the strikeouts living in the mid 20s. But I mean, more than likely, you're planning for like a, a 240, 230, 240 yeah. batting average. You're gonna have to kind of offset that with you know a Brian Reynolds type, 
Um, but but that plays if you're getting 25 plus homers. Yep. And going back to my earlier point, the runs and ribbies aren't aren't as disgustingly bad in this new offense. Mm-hmm. I, I, they're still going to be a bad team, but they're not to me a 57 win club again with an anemic offense. When you got VR Anderson Dickerson Aguilar as a top four, that's capable on a lot of nights. Like that's going to be okay. Going into Miami to just get three walkovers is not going to happen anymore. And don't forget, too, that Miami changed the dimensions of their park. So Correct. it's not going to be this, uh, This I mean, it, I'm sure it'll still play up for pitchers, but it's not going to be as bad for hitters as it has been. Yeah, and if they even play in that park, right? They could be playing mm-hmm. in a minor league park uh, or spring. Well, I guess spring training ones are eventually minor league ones. But anyway, keeping an eye on that over in Miami with Lewis Brinson and Isan Diaz. And I make a lot of Lewis Brinson jokes, but I'm a sucker for power speed guys, too. So... Don't think that if he did something in like the first 10 days of, of a season that I wouldn't be out on my waiver wire instantly. Well, in and the first 10 days of, or, you know, first 10 games of a season might be one eighth of our season. Bingo. So like if you jump in after the first Homer steal night, you, and then he does it, you know, four more of the next seven nights, that might be enough to like justify what you've done. You know, everything changes so much. With with the with the setup that we have right now that we're looking at, which is a half season max, max. So um, yeah, these guys come into play, and um, I, I like the DH callout that you mentioned earlier because again, Harold Ramirez, keep him on the radar too. I think he can hit a little bit, and he could actually be your batting average counter to Diaz because I like that he he, he makes some good contact. But let's move on. Let's jump over to the Mets and uh, that exact issue or or situation with DH comes into play with my guy, but who's your guy for the Mets? Because I thought I found this team to be a little difficult. Oh, really? Because I have four different guys. Oh, well, then I'm open to it here to maybe find out where I goofed or, well, or what, underrated what, some guys. Why don't you go first so you can take okay. one of them? So I, I left the obvious Cespedes to the side because if he's ready to go, I think his ADP would soar instantly. If they say, hey, we're starting on July 18th, and guess what? Cespedes is going to be ready to go. I don't know what his exact timetable was, but then he'd be a top 200 pick, right? Okay, so put him off to the side. I took Dom Smith with the DH idea in mind. Not even on my list. Oh, so we're going to get five Mets here. Mets fans, get ready. So, yeah, I took Dom Smith, and I really like what he did last year. And he's another guy who kind of shows the idea of small samples don't freak out 183 plate appearances in 17 74 wrc plus 83 and 149 the next year you're like this guy just doesn't have it and we do that because we do shorthands because we want to eliminate guys because we want to shorten the pool i do this too you know sometimes i catch myself failing a small system call out or a small sample call out because i like hey i kind of wanted to just shuffle dom smith to the side so i was a little taken aback last year when he jumped on the scene and put up 197 plate appearances of quality work. Now, just because this is a good sample of 197 plate appearances doesn't mean that this is the right one, but look at how different it is from 17 and 18. It starts to show his true talent here. And now he's still hasn't even eclipsed 550 plate appearances, let alone the seven, seven fifty that you really like to see from a guy before you make a passing judgment. But in the 529 that Dominic Smith now has, He's a 98 WRC plus with 25 homers, 62 ribbies. So he's a league average guy. 
He got his OBP up big time last year to 355. That was a 100-point jump, and he hit 282. He really showed his pop. I think if there is a DH, he could get the DH versus righty at-bats and and really fight to maybe steal some of the lefty ones too, but at least get the strong side of the platoon. So I really like Tom Smith. He's somebody I would definitely consider. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Dom Smith guy. I just I don't think he is special enough uh, with the bat to uh, offset maybe some of the defensive woes. Um, do, you have, do you have a comp for him? I know we don't love comps, but... James I, Loney? I kind of thought you were going to say some trash like that. Yeah, I mean that's what it looks like. Uh, I, I mean, Dun- James Loney had some good years, so like we're not. Yeah, I'm, I'm J- not knocking yeah, James true. Loney, especially uh, in today's game uh, day and age, uh, in game where batting average can be hard to come by late. Yeah, yeah, he's he was a two eighty four hitter for a decade, including some two nineties and a three thirty one in his rookie year there for uh, for James Loney. We always expected more. Now he did have some. Uh, I'm going to call it three 90 ribby seasons, 90, 90, and 88, but he never eclipsed 15 homers. Now, maybe a juicier ball would help Dom Smith because he had 11 in 89 games last year, but your comp relative to the era, that might actually fit pretty well there. But going that cheap, I would I would take James Loney that late on a strong side platoon. So sure, why wouldn't Still you? plays, but I hear you. Let's, let's get into some of your uh, your quartet of Mets here. Uh, you mentioned Cespedes. I mean, I think you got to talk a little bit about him just because uh, if there is a DH in the National League, he's obviously, or he would probably be the number one option to man it uh, mm-hmm. for them, especially as he kind of recovers from the uh, broken ankles. Uh, that That's he... true. They probably wouldn't want to throw him into the outfield immediately. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but if he's healthy, then, you know, they want they probably want that arm out there. True. Uh, so and JD Davis sucks at defense. Yes, uh, the other guy that is you know projected to kind of split playing time, but with a DH would likely get you know a full time or closer to full time role. Is their leadoff hitter Brandon Nimmo? Yep. Uh, and Nimmo is going extremely late in drafts. Three sixty five. He's going way too late, man. Yeah. Especially for as much as we as a, a the, like nerd sect of the fantasy community that which is a big part of the NFBC that obsesses over OBP to just not give him any love for that 375 last year. I know there's a 221 average, and NFBC leagues are not OBP, but you're trying to look at skills. This dude gets on base even when things are going horribly. He hit 221, and he still put up a 375. That's insane. So tell us about what Nimmo could actually do here. It, you mentioned the DH thing, so maybe he would get some DH reps against lefties, even though he is a lefty, but they put Marisnik in center. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, and I think he, yeah, I think they're going to give him full run either way. I, I know that they're, you know, we have him uh, projected to platoon, but down the stretch last year, he played just about every day. I so, think Marisnik only gets a game here and there. I don't think he's guaranteed in the lineup against no, every lefty for he, He's just so poor offensively uh, down the stretch. So when he came back from the injury, and I think people don't, People kind of look at the stat line and go, well, he was not only was he injured last year, he was crap. Well, sometimes you're crap because you're injured. Um, True. And when he, exactly. When he came back from injury last year, uh, he you know played 26 games, so a nice 69 uh, mm-hmm. uh, at-bats. Um, 
hit five home runs in in those twenty six games, uh, two sixty one batting average. Like this was the guy hey. that we kind of remember from you know the previous season. So and he let off the majority of the games he played when he came back from injury. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that could you know be a twenty ten guy. Okay. Uh, with you know, it's probably not going to be a very good average, but if you're an on base percentage leagues, obviously that jumps up huge because. But Nimmo could also score a, a ton of runs yep. because that offense of his isn't bad. Team. Yeah. So yeah, now Brandon Nimmo is one of those guys that I'm just grabbing in, in, in as many drafts as I can late. Uh, there's no price attached, and there's a there's a whole bunch of upside. Um, uh, you know, another guy that I'm getting late, and this is largely ageism. Is Robinson Cano? Oh yeah, dude, uh, definitely getting a uh, ageism massive downgrade there. Go ahead on him on uh, Cano. ADP outside the top four hundred. Uh, do do people not realize he's projected to I, hit I, I, I up don't in this get one? that one. I I, re- I really don't like. What is the deal? Yeah, I don't know why Conforto wouldn't clean yeah. up uh, here, but. Uh, I mean, even if he but hits yeah, six, five, five or if, six, you know, we, we... fine. I also don't mm-hmm. get Cano's uh, draft slot. Like just just the, the 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 GFY attitude toward him. I I understand the ageism thing. We call it out a lot as far as fantasy goes. It's like guys get icky for so many people when they when they reach a certain age. An age I currently am. Um, <laughs> but Cano is one of those guys that can still just hit. And when you make the price depressed this much, then I, I don't need to, I don't need to hear anything about his shortcomings. They're baked in, right? Like you can tell me, yeah, he doesn't hit for as much average. Okay, all, all of it's understood. He's pick three thirty three, dude. I'm just trying to spike a two eighty, which I think I could. He only hit two fifty six last year, and the speed or complete and utter lack thereof. Is going to make it hard to push a 280, but I can take a 275. I can take a 270. Cano can still hit. But there's, yeah, and I mean, like if you go look at his stat cast data, it's actually pretty impressive for a guy mm-hmm. his age. Uh, I mean, his X batting average was 280. So maybe he got a little unlucky in the batting average department. He's got an exit velocity in the 82nd percentile, hard hit percentage in the 87th okay, percentile. Geez. Like and going to be hitting in the middle of that Mets lineup, like we just mentioned, is you know a, a pretty decent lineup, especially with Pete Alonso uh, hitting in front of you, JD Davis hitting behind you, uh, Conforto hitting somewhere uh, around you. Like that is a good lineup to be hitting in. And if he is in fact uh, the cleanup hitter, um, like I said, there, there's reason to suspect he won't be. Uh, then. Like he's gonna, he's gonna rack up a ton of RBIs, a ton of runs scored. He should hit for you know more power. Like I think the the fifteen to seventeen home runs that most people project, even if you just got that at like a two sixty two seventy batting average, when outside pick four hundred, that like that's a great mm-hmm. deal. And I think there's obvious potential for more, uh, especially if he can stay healthy, uh, because there is no one taking over for him. As much as he is not uh, the player that he once was, he's not a negative defensively, which uh, a lot of the guys on that team are. Um, And uh, that contract, he's getting paid $24 million a year 
through 2023. They have to keep playing them. They kind of do. Through 23? Yeah. I mean, they kind of do. Until he's hitting like a 40 WRC plus. That 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 trade is going to be looked oh, God, back dude. on as I mean, especially if Edwin Diaz does not turn it around, that trade could be looked on as like one of the worst trades in, in MLB history. Not only did you take on all this money, you got nothing, absolutely nothing. And Kalnick looks like a monster. Oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be so good. Oh God, that's tough. All right, give us some of your others. Uh, my last one is Michael Walker. Okay. And I mean, I, I don't think we can have the sleeper in the bus podcast True. without talking. No, I about appreciate that you uh, uh, that you brought him. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> we're a long ways away from him being the guy that I think you and I both projected to be kind of a breakout mm-hmm. star uh, as a starting pitcher Multiple for the times. Cardinals. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, we're in 2018. Like his numbers were pretty darn good. Uh, last year, obviously, you know, not, not great work. And he had to pitch out of the bullpen a few times and, um, but getting to go to a new environment, uh, and with Noah Syndergaard, you know, getting Tommy John surgery, he's now in this rotation. There were a lot of people who were really critical of the Mets in terms of like, why even sign Rick Porcello and Michael yeah, Walker you, when you've got this already stacked because, rotation. This you, is why. Yeah, like oh, like five starters just lasts all year every year. Like what the heck, dude? Yeah, it was. I, I thought it was fine when they did it. Like okay, as long as they got one of those guys on board that they were going to be depth, and then before the season even started, both both Porcello and Waka were in the rotation. So I, I like that with Waka. I've been a long term believer. I have a hard time quitting him. I do have him on a couple teams already. I'm just always anytime he does well, I'm gonna look to jump in and say, "Hey, I know there's talent there. He's not, he he's not completely devoid of talent." Which is not like a overly glowing compliment to say he's not devoid of talent. He's a major leaguer, of course. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say, he can be good. He like when he's going, he can be good. 3.20 ERA, 1.23 WHIP back in 18, as you mentioned. So, who else? Hmm. That's it. Those are my four. So that was Cano, Nimmo, Waka, and oh, and Cespedes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Cespedes, yeah, yeah. The Mets have some options there, and they got some things that they can do if if we do indeed get a DH, which um, seems like a decent chance if uh, if we play this year. Let's go out to Washington, and fitting that narrative perfectly, my guy's Eric Thames, and it wouldn't even necessarily be an out of nowhere breakout. We're we're calling them that. And, and we're picking at a certain um, ADP level or later. And he's just blocked right now. But if Eric Thames went off, like if he if they said, hey, there's going to be a DH and draft set are starting now, mm-hmm. go ahead. He's moving up from 390 without a doubt and maybe into the top 250. I, I, I could see a 140 pick spike for Eric Thames. Because I think playing time is the only concern here. He was good last year. 25 homers, 61 ribbies, three steals, 247 average. Good for a 117 WRC plus for uh, for Thames. It's just a matter of is he going to platoon? Is he going to play every day? Is he going to lose time even against righties at times? Just because they have so many guys who can play there full time, I think uh, Thames wouldn't necessarily qualify. But he does now, and people are still drafting now. So I'm going to go ahead and use Eric Thames as my guy. 
Yeah. No, I like that one, especially, like you said, if the, if the DH is in the National League, then Thames should get a full or close to a full run of plate appearances. Uh, in that same vein, uh, I, I went with okay. Carter Keboom. Uh, I mean, this was one of the top prospects coming into last season and largely still considered one of the top prospects in the game. Uh, and if there is a DH, that opens up another avenue for him to get played. But Justin, time. he had a 17 uh, WRC plus last year and 43 plate appearances. Isn't that who he is? <laughs> Dude, he's yeah, exactly. The, dead. It happens I know. every year. And these are the guys yep. I love to target in drafts because... The upside didn't disappear no. overnight. This is a you know, nothing. Obviously, this is literally a nothing sample. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about some of these other ones that are 200 plate appearances. Okay, you know, there's a little meat to it. This is a literal nothing sample for Carter Keepum. It means absolutely nothing. Same as it would have meant if you hit 420 during it. By the way, I want to be clear. Yeah. I mean, he he had to- five total hits. Um, in this sample, two Let's of them go. were home runs. So, like, the power is legit. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, I think that he's likely gonna be the everyday third baseman, or you know, you know, and then DHing obviously sometimes uh, when uh, you know, it, as long as the DH does come to the National League, I think like we expected too. Um, and I think the Nationals like would love to see him be able to play strong enough defense for him to actually stay in the lineup every day. And I, th- I think that's possible. So, uh, and then obviously the guy I've been getting in every draft, uh, and that we've talked about quite a bit that I, I believe will be the closer, uh, in Washington, or at least getting, you know, a good portion of the saves in Washington is Daniel Hudson. Oh yeah. He's, he's still going outside the top 300 picks. Uh, he's a great third or fourth closer, depending on the size of your league. Uh, I, I don't understand why he isn't being drafted in, in every league. Uh, that seems absolutely insane to me. I, I'm willing to take him a good 50, 60 picks above mm-hmm. his ADP uh, in order to get him. He They relied on him to close out games in the World Series. I'm sorry, if that's the guy you're relying upon in the World Series, why wouldn't you rely upon him in the that's regular season? Deal. So Daniel Hudson is, yeah, he, he's one of those guys that I'm just getting uh, as many shares of that I can. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm with it, and I think that's a great call. We have been hyping him all throughout pre-draft, you know, uh, spring, when, when spring was going on. We kept talking up Hudson. I mentioned him on the podcast with Scott Pianowski that he was kind of my closer guy. I'll get Doolittle, too, by the way. I'll, I'll get both. I'll, I'll even, you know, overpay a little bit for Doolittle and bump up Hudson. Just I, w- I want the Nats bullpen, really. And I know Will Harris is there lingering. I do think it'll be Doolittle or Hudson, but I'm with you. Hudson has a very good opportunity to be the guy. So that's a good call out there. Let's finish up the East with uh, Philadelphia. Now, I didn't have a lot of options here. I don't know if this is like the Mets where you had four and I had a guy that I struggled with. I'm just going with my guy that I can't quit, and that's Roman Quinn. Yeah, this is this is the one, and I have Quinn on, on my list. Um, I have the most amount of players in Philadelphia See, than any other. I think it's because I'm disgusted with so <laughs> I've done it already. Like, you're going to say Vince Velasquez. Shut up. Oh, okay, okay. Nope. Oh, then you're not going to go. Uh, Every Pavetta, other pitcher, sure, Okay, okay. That, no, no, I won't spoil all your yeah. thunder then. But, but yeah, I think I think it was just I'd gone for some of these guys. I wanted to just I, – I, I took a pass on them. Roman Quinn, I still love the speed. I still think that if he really got time, he could be a, a big speed contributor. 
it, it's kind of running out, though. You know, he's going to be 27 this year. If he doesn't find his way into a, a bigger role at this point this year, especially with Adam Hazley possibly coming in and just taking center field from him, that says a lot. But speed is such a huge commodity that it, late in the draft, I'm not against making him my last pick. Roman Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, no, Roman Quinn was definitely one of the five on my list. And it's, I mean, if you're adding a DH in the National League, uh, like you're pretty much splitting up at bats between him and Jay yeah. Bruce, right? Yeah. So uh, maybe it's the weak side platoon, or maybe he just finally goes into a Gerard Dyson role. But him in a Gerard Dyson type role, Rajay Davis type role, is, can still be very, very productive yeah. for fantasy. Yeah. I mean, he is blazing fast. So. Uh, I think the the question with him has always True. been health. Like he just cannot stay on the field, and he got injured in spring training. Yeah, that's been so. Like that that concern is that not has gone definitely away. curbed Quinn throughout this time, and that's why he's twenty seven without a real sample. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I'm falling for it too, and like he, he feels like he's been around for longer than you know being twenty seven right? years old. So. Because he was a prospect uh, early. That okay, being get, said, get into some of these. Uh, pit- any yeah. other hitters? Or are you going right into pitchers? Uh, Adam Hazley is one of the hitters that I, I was going to mention because uh, he does look like he's going to get a full-time role. And there was talk before, you know, I mean, obviously Andrew McCutcheon is going to be healthy by the start of the uh, season now because he was uh, delayed coming off the, uh, the, uh, yep. the leg injury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and wasn't supposed to be ready for opening day, but now it looks like he will be. That being said, uh, Adam Hazley is going outside the top 600 picks. Okay. Now, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I, obviously, oh, what I was going to say is, you know, with McCutcheon looking like he wasn't going to make open day, there was talk that he could be the leadoff hitter. Hazley. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that obviously, yeah, that obviously is not going to happen now, but. He's still going to have a pretty large role in this offense. And, you know, he may not turn out to be the guy that the the Phillies uh, thought they were getting when they took him eighth overall uh, a few years ago in the draft. But I think he could be a very useful player. And if he's getting full-time plate appearances, we're talking about a guy who's hitting like 270, probably like a Melky Cabrera type. Like the the 17-18 home runs and... You know, seven eight steals. Good average. And, you know, a, yeah, in a fifteen team league, you're you're your fifth outfielder, sixth outfielder type guy. I, I I hear you. I'm surprised it's that cheap, especially because we've had him in our depth chart at least as a strong side platoon guy, all all off season. Like, you know, and the weak side is Roman Quinn, who cannot <laughs> yeah, stay on the exactly. field. <laughs> so like, like that is like he he has. Every recipe or, you know, every ingredient for, for a, a pretty tasty recipe. Um, only 24 years old. Uh, there's obviously, I think there's more raw power in that bat than we've seen mm-hmm. so far. So, uh, you know, you could easily see him in, you know, smaller minor league parks, you, you know, juice ball situation where he ends up popping 25. Well, yeah. in a full season. Obviously, we're not going to get 25 a pace. Season, but... Yeah, no, I, I like the Hazel yeah, call so... up for sure. Um, and, and that, that balance as well with, with the Quinn thing. Cause he's actually got the leg up right now. All right. Give us some thoughts on the pitchers here. Go ahead and rapid fire. Up. Okay. Zach Eflin. Yeah. Nick Pavetta. I'll, I'll just rapid fire. Like one of them's going to pan out mm-hmm. eventually. Right. I, I think so. Uh, uh, and I mean, 
Uh, Pavetta looked pretty decent in spring training. Uh, Eflin uh, is a guy with all, with all the skills, but he may end up in the bullpen uh, if Pavetta ends up getting a role here. So it's kind of one or the other, but they're both going so late in drafts that... It, I mean, you're not paying the price that we had to pay, oh, like, a top 150 price. The we Pavetta had price last, last year. <laughs> Both, and, and I, oh, I fell yeah. for I it, too. I was absolutely so, like, part of that. Yeah, no. I, I, I ate a lot of those shares. Um, but they're both going outside the top 500 picks. Definitely worth a flyer in deeper formats uh, as kind of your last pitcher. And, you know, if it doesn't look like he's going to get a roll, if it looks like he's struggling early on, you're probably not going to be throwing him into your rotation the first yeah. few weeks. Uh, anyways, you just drop and move on for the next guy. But I think he's those. Bo- they're both guys that I'm taking a shot on. And if you're looking for a stash, I think Spencer Howard That's is a good up pretty quick. Call. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, he was actually making some noise as a potential fifth starter. Looks like he wasn't going to get that after all, but should be there right away. And once they realize that Vincent, Vincent Velasquez's final spot has to be in the bullpen, because their bullpen sucks too, by the way. Yeah. I like Neris, but that's it. Um, that could open yeah. up. Arietta is on his yep. last legs uh, and got injured. Remember, like it was the final pitch exactly. of spring training or something and, like that. Got hurt, and we have no idea. And then if Eflin slash Pavetta doesn't work out, there's a potential avenue there pretty quickly for Howard. So I like that call out as well. He was starting to get some buzz right as spring training, as we knew it, was was ending. Um, And I think one of the things that we haven't necessarily talked about, uh, but if if we are going to be playing a lot of doubleheaders, teams are going to have six, seven game rotations. And so... These guys that are like fringe, whether or not they're going to make the rotation, are going to be bumped up into mm-hmm. the rotation and are going to have added yep. value. And even if they don't necessarily do double headers, but they're playing almost every day with like just very limited off days, you're, you're going to want to consider six and, and do a six spot, uh, you know, every eight days or something to that effect. So I, I'm with you there. It's, it's good to know the sixth, seventh man on, on a lot of teams. Let's move over. To the Central and the Brewers. By the way, we're going by uh, team nickname order. If you guys are wondering, you're like Chicago. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering. <laughs> Look, I click across the resource, I mouse over it, and it's Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Pirates, Reds. That's the order I'm going in. So I figured I was confusing people when I'm all over the map here. Atlanta, you, you weren't. You, you thought I was going the right way at first, and even Miami, I believe, is second by. But but mm-hmm. then I, I just started going wild here, especially when I put the Phillies fourth. But no, that, I'm going by nickname. So Brewers first. I do have a two-pack here. A guy I'm not quitting in Luis Urias. Same sort of situation applies from some of the other guys we talked about. He has 302 bad plate appearances in the majors through his age 22 uh, season. I'm just not giving up yet. Uh, it hasn't been good. There's not a lot to look at that and say, oh, well, this is this is going well. But he's still raking every time he goes back to the minors. And so I'm seeing a guy who's just not quite ready for the majors, but might just need to mature a little bit and and develop a little bit further and be ready at 23, maybe even 24, which, of course, would, wouldn't do me any good this year. But I'm not quitting Luis Arias. And a slam dunk, which you probably have on your list, so I'm just going to take it, this Justin Smoke. He uh, yep. stat cast God last year, who definitely got on the unlucky side of things. Even when you factor in his speed, which is non-existent, his 223 BABIP is still painfully unfair. Um, he cut his strikeout rate. He upped his walk rate. Like He deserved better. 
he was still league average despite that. But he deserved better, and he should get at least strong side platoon playing time. And if there's a DH, he absolutely is a full-timer. So I like Orius and Smoke. What you got for Milwaukee? Yeah, uh, Smoke was definitely on my list. Uh, two other guys uh, that just aren't getting the, the necessary love. Um, Eric Sogart. Like that, like he's projected to be the leadoff they guy in this, like on this team, especially strong side. So uh, currently going just outside of the top 640. Dude. Like the leadoff hitter on a very good say, lineup. On a team that I, I just you know you care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other guy I had on my list, but he's going much higher than I thought he was. Was Ryan Braun? Like I think Ryan, like Ryan Braun, is seems to be the forgotten mm-hmm. guy. You know, we have him and the weak side platoon. He's going pick two fifty, so I don't know that he necessarily really should yeah, qualify he, he's for this. Yeah, he for like a post two hundred thing. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that dude just hits like that dude. Whatever his body can give him, he's going to produce during that time. And I, I don't know if anybody is going to benefit more from a DH in the National League than a guy like Ryan Braun, who really shouldn't be playing full-time in the outfield anyways, is kind of at a loss for a for a full-time position uh, on this team after the signing of Avicel mm-hmm. Garcia. Uh, which, I'll, I'll say, like, like, I don't know that people realize like how many players milwaukee brought in they this year went volume like, they completely turned over like you know a huge portion they of this roster did. Yeah. they re-signed eric sogar they bring in justin smoke avisel garcia omar navarez luis urias like brock holt uh jed jerko like like this brett anderson uh josh lindblom uh eric lawler uh, like this is a super like different roster and a team that I think will be active if there is a trade mm-hmm. deadline. Like I haven't even figured out how they're going to do the trade oh, deadline know. this year. Like are they just going to push it yeah, to August? just to like X amount like, of games after we decide the Z number amount of games that we're going to play? You know, let's just turn it into a dynasty league. And we do <laughs> trades all the way like to that the would postseason. Be like it's insane, dude. If you could do trades like a week before the postseason, just to see how it goes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they've got talent. Yeah, but like so, yeah, really, Sogard and Smoke for me, like, are the two that I've gotten in a lot of drafts. I think I got both of them in NL Tout. Uh, like, they they should be way yeah, more owned. Yeah, I, I agree uh, for sure, and that's even without the DH thing. But then the DH thing would definitely make it uh, even clearer. Let's go to St. Louis. I kind of debated between two. Um, I know there's been some love for Ryan Helsley possibly getting that job, uh, that closers role, but it looks like it's it looks like it's Gallegos pretty easily. I think Brebia might actually be the sneak pick. I think I think Helsley's become kind of the chic, and now Brebia is the sneak. So I, I would actually go a different route there. But my 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 main pick to click here, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on the skills of Tyler O'Neill. I'm not fully bought in. Yeah. But it, he's he's a tool shed, as as they say. I mean, he's got he's got all the ability. He was the fastest guy on their team by sprint speed, which I think surprises folks, because uh, he's so bulked up that they expect you know the massive power, which he does have. Now his hit tool isn't really there. He strikes out far too much. He needs to figure out how to make that work, um, and that's not easy because 
you can't really have much bad luck because you're not putting the ball in play enough. But you're talking about a 25-year-old who has these kind of exquisite skills that are made for fantasy. I'm just not going to quit Tyro O'Neill yet, especially when he's going pick 400. Yeah, he has the opposite problem of uh, Isan Diaz. He just yep. swings too much. <laughs> get together. <laughs> like he just swings all the time. Where you swung at this uh, pitch? Yeah. See, I wouldn't have swung at that. He's like, yeah, you don't swing at anything. And they just go back and forth. Um, but he is the correct answer and, and the one I, I picked as well. Uh, it just There's just so much power in that bat. Uh, he he has that sneak speed that you were talking about. I mean, he is 99th percentile Ooh, in terms of sneak speed. It's uh, I, I think you know there's there's two main changes he really needs to make to his approach. Uh, one is like I said, he, he he can't swing outside of the zone as much as he, I mean, and inside of the zone as much as he does. It's just he just doesn't make he's not one of those guys that makes enough contact in or out of the zone to really warrant the amount yeah that he, he gets swings. himself out um so uh so he definitely needs to become a you know a bit more patient but even with that uh the launch angle ha- is just obscene um and this is again a guy with a ryan Schimpf ryan Schimpf effect <laughs> Um, where he has, you know, someone, someone mentioned, oh, you want to make sure you have a good launch angle. Okay. Okay. I can do that. And so he does the, like, he does the reverse axe swing where instead of like chopping straight down, he just chops straight up. up. His launch angle is 20.9%. Like that's no, that, that you need to cut that down to about 14 and then you can really kind of take advantage uh, of all the power in that bat uh, because yeah I mean his his exit velocity his hard hit percentage both are things that players aspire to have I and mean, he is jacked it's just it's a matter of time before he figures it out if he figures yeah I mean out, I guess it, but, it may never fully come together but we've seen players like this at least deliver some bouts of uh, usefulness so Tyler O'Neill is definitely somebody to keep in mind he's He's one of those guys that um, is very streaky when, you know, he'll go through, you know, a few weeks or a month of of really just being on and seeing the ball really well and and crushing it when it comes inside of the zone. And in a short sample season, like those guys could become really valuable because there may not be enough time in the season overall for him to uh, cool down. That's the the important part there, especially with, with a season that we're dealing with this year. So I like that call out there. With Tyler O'Neill, let's go to Chicago. Now, I have what I think is an obvious one, so I apologize. I, you know, I kind of want to bring some fun here, but but I just couldn't get myself on board with anybody but David Bodie. And you know, they signed him to that deal. It wasn't some crazy deal, but it tells me that they like him to a degree. What was it like a five-year deal for yeah, some cheddar? So, you know, yeah. not, like I said. I want to overstate it like they're like like his their hands are forced to play him but he clearly uh five years 15 mil that they signed pretty early they want him to be the super util he's gonna be 27 he can play everywhere sort of like i mean he can stand everywhere so i think he can get enough playing time <laughs> i'm not really bought in on kipnis so i'm not i'm not seeing that as a major roadblock he was a non-roster invitee if he doesn't make it 
GG, and that's a big that's a big opening for Bodie. So I just went with Bodie. Like I said, kind of easy, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, this was a really difficult team. Like there, there are there are some teams where, like I said, you know, I've got four or five guys, and this is one of those teams I really struggled to get one. It was hard. Um, that bullpen it's is atrocious. so bad, and you like wanted to. You were telling me this off air because we briefly mentioned the Cubs. You said you wanted to just go and 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 snake somebody from the bullpen because you don't really believe in Kimbrel, but you couldn't find anybody. Yeah. And this is why I have shares of Kimbrel this year is because there is nobody in that bullpen that I feel confident Correct. could be the guy. It's bad. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, we're talking. Uh, this is the 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 game that we played last year of like reliever or U.S. Yeah. congressman. Is is Kyle Ryan a reliever or does he represent Tennessee's third district? I like it's think he uh, does. Both actually, dude, which is pretty impressive. It's it especially with how deep of leagues I tend to play in. Like it's really rare that I don't recognize a player, and I, half of this bullpen I don't dude, recognize. Like I just bad. don't, I just don't know who they are. Um, and, and like none of them are like considerably young, so it's not like oh, this is a reliever prospect that you know used to be a starting pitching prospect that they now is going to be a power reliever. Like, there's nobody. There's Jeremy Jeffress, who they signed in free agency in February. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Like, that's... Like, and, um, and they don't have a ton of... Like, I mean, they could put Tyler Chatwood, you know, into the bullpen at some point. Uh, but, I mean, he would likely be a multi-inning guy. Like, there's nobody takeover for Craig Kimbrell, so... I couldn't go that route. I ended up going with Ian Happ. Uh, his ADP is around pick 500. Oh, I love that. Uh, he's gotten a little helium uh, as of late. So, you know, in in more recent drafts, he's probably going yes, higher yeah, than that. I think that's why I didn't but, have him. But I'm glad that we got his, him mentioned because if you are in a room where he is in the latter 200s, early 300s, get Happ. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that uh, has... You know, obviously, former top prospect. Um, you know, I think he was a uh, around a uh, top fifty-ish prospect at, at his peak, um, and he's a guy that he, he obviously has power in the bat. He's got some speed. It looks like he's got the everyday center fielder mm -hmm. job uh, kind of locked down, and so uh, he you know he's probably going to be batting towards the bottom of the lineup. But he cut the strikeout rate in a small sample last year. Uh, which has always kind of been his bugaboo. Uh, he still walks at about a 10% rate. Uh, like, this is a guy that I think, you know, one, could end up working his way up the lineup. For sure. Uh, because his on-base percentage is definitely stronger than his batting average. But uh, I, I think, you know, with maybe a little bit of Babbitt luck, uh, we're talking about a guy that could hit 265, 270. Don't get me again. Wrong. Remember and... that year that he hit that leadoff homer to, like, open the season and... I, I predict <laughs> everybody ever everybody i know but crazy. i was like so high on it him was... too so i'm like i'm pretty i'm pretty good at first pitch fantasy of... thing, dude I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at this dog i'm pretty i'm like i'm pretty I, I good can't. at this dude i totally started yeah. feeling myself after that what a loser dude everybody did like that he was probably he was probably the most traded player 100%. that day in fantasy leagues. Like, just people going crazy over him and some people being like, 
Well, I mean, if you're going to offer me a third-round pick for Ian Happ, yeah. like, I guess, like, I, you know, I, I, I liked him as a sleeper, but I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take the added value. And... like, crazy off of that. And, uh, yeah, it was, so, it, was, it was rough. But I like it. He, he bounced back last year. This is, again, one of those guys that had all that helium. You stick with him. And he's never actually been bad. Uh, like fully bad. His worst uh, WRC plus for Hap is 106 in 18. And then he was up to 127 last year. So that's a great call out. Uh, check where he is on your board. You know, he doesn't quite fit the minus, uh, the later than 300 every time out. But I do like that call out. I had mentioned Bodie and you mentioned, who was your first mention? Oh, ha- ha- uh, no, ha- that's it. Okay. I, I, I just told oh, yeah, you yeah. how the bad disgusting that was. Yeah, it, it seriously is so trash. So unbelievably trash. I, once again, I'm going to be surprised if you've got like nine guys. here. I don't have a lot in Pittsburgh. I guess I could see some names that I could call out. I got uh, yeah, three. okay, maybe. I, I could see that. I just went with Gerard Dyson. I'm being such a basic bitch. Hopefully some of these latter ones are a little bit uh, more out there. I don't know. It's like I, I did since 323. I'm doing a month's time. When it's pretty clear, I think by then, um, that he was going to play a pretty good bit, even as a platoon guy. And he's still going quite late. Uh, Dyson was still, even in that period, going 361. So I think, okay, you know, he's going to fill his his Gerard Dyson role. The tough part is knowing when to play him or being in a league depth that allows you to set it and forget it for somebody who's probably going to get 400 plate appearances. That's the tough part. But if you can do that and you can take on the negatives that he gives, then you, he does have 30 steals in the bag. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And this feels like the makeup of a team that is going to try to manufacture runs via pushing it on the mm-hmm. base paths. So at least the way they're kind of set up. Uh, and, I mean, there was a time, I, mean, I haven't checked their depth chart in a little while, where like he was projected to be the strong side mm-hmm. leadoff guy. Uh, which I didn't necessarily believe or, or want for anyone. But, uh, I mean, we talk about Roman Quinn being the potential Gerard Dyson type, then why not just yeah. a Gerard Dyson type on yeah. a team that uh, that is likely going to be bad and let him run just for the hell of it. Um, so, and I mean, he, he started off fairly decently last year, faded pretty hard, but uh, I, I like the call out. I went with three young guys. Um, that I don't even know if they're going to have full-time roles coming into the season, uh, but I think they all could have sneak tip value at some point. Um, that's Cole Tucker, O'Neill Cruz, mm. and yep, uh, Jared yep. Those Oliva. are the ones I looked at verbatim when I just said, yeah, I could see some other names. Go ahead. Uh, give a thought on each of them yeah. real quick. Uh, I mean, obviously, Fa- Fla- uh, Fabapalooza last year, Cole Tucker, w- was a huge part of it. Uh, really disappointed people, but... A guy that has shown a ton of speed in the uh, in the minor leagues uh, is a very good defensive player, and I think the defensive loan could give him a full time role mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. I mean, do they you know, do they really want Newman playing uh, shortstop uh, when he should be playing second base, and, and Frazier should be bouncing kind of around as the util guy? Um, I, I think I think there's a real chance Cole Tucker is is still the you know opening day shortstop. Uh, in in Pittsburgh, uh, and I, people have just completely forgot about him. So uh, Jared Oliva is a guy that is getting a bunch of helium. We saw him down in uh, in, in the AFL. 
a very interesting prospect with, I think, a good enough hit tool to let his mm-hmm. speed play. Uh, last two seasons in the minor leagues is high in double A. Uh, 33 stolen bases, 36 stolen bases. You love that. I, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to, you know, be on the opening day roster, but this is not a young prospect either. This is not a guy who's 21, 22. He's a 24-year-old. And so I think they just need to give him run and see if he's worth, or part of his long-term, their long-term plans. Uh, And O'Neill Cruz is, we've just been waiting on this guy for what feels like forever. Um, And, I mean, he is massive. (laughs) Oh, dude, (laughs) for those who don't know him, Explain the uh, the metric or uh, measurements on on O'Neill Cruz. Uh, we have him, and this is uh, this is definitely not accurate in height or weight because I think he's they're underplaying it in both. But we have him as six seven one seventy five at shortstop. It's hilarious. He's obviously not going to yeah, last. Like nobody uh, believes he's going to last there, but he could still mm-hmm. be a corner outfielder of great note. Yeah, and the, the question is going to become, especially with the height, uh, and he doesn't have necessarily, he's got a ton of swing and miss already, and will the height be a real disadvantage? Like, was this going to be a Kyle Blanks type situation yep. at the plate? It certainly could be. Yeah. Uh, that, could be. Yeah. that being said, like, we grade him out as, you know, eight pretty much 70 raw power with 80 potential. Um, the game power is going to be there. Uh, you know, he's got decent speed for a big guy, uh, though, who knows, as as he tends to, you know, fill out, and he's he's already started to fill out, that's why I say the 175 is definitely not accurate. Um, you know, that speed is going to kind of dissipate. I think he's probably a third baseman, obvi- you know, at some point. Third definitely work, too, yeah, if um, not a corner outfit. Yep, yep. Yeah, because, I mean, he's got a really good throwing arm, but... There's going to be a lot of power coming from this bat. It's just a matter of how much he can make yeah, contact. Yeah, that's, that's a great call out there. And um, I like all three of those guys. They're, they're very interesting to keep an eye on. So Jared Oliva, uh, Cole Tucker, excuse me, and O'Neill Cruz. Cruz, the furthest away, uh, peaked at AA last year. Only 21, but they really like him. And he was making some noise in spring, too. So uh, let's move on here. Last team in the Central, Cincinnati. I'll let you go first here. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I kind of got a hodgepodge of Mine's guys. probably in there, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to letting you go ahead and start naming them. Uh, you know, at some point, there's a price for yeah. everybody, right? And I've talked about how much I do not there like Jesse is. Winker. There it is. There it is. But uh, going out, almost outside the top 500 picks. So he's just inside pick 500. Uh, and if we do have the DH in the National League, I think Jesse Winker is the I think this DH. Is a, this is a Nimmo situation too, dude. Like, are we just forgetting how mm-hmm. good this guy is? It's a Nimmo plus situation, if you ask me, though, because he's actually never been bad. 134, 128, 113 on the WRC pluses. Now, that is going down, but even the bad one, the worst one was 13% better than league average. So Winker's my guy too, and I just think that he's being completely overlooked I think due to Senzel hype, people want to just put Senzel as a full-timer, and I don't think that's there. So Winker's going super late. Who else did you have? Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Wade Miley. This is a guy we've talked about both liking. 
yes, he had some t- uh, t- <laughs> pitching it, <laughs> pitch tipping issues. Wow, interesting. Uh, you can tell the the baby kept yeah. me up a lot last night. So, uh, yeah, some pitch tipping issues. But when those are resolved, like he is just a very very good pitcher, um, and I, I think he was a really sneaky ad uh, for for these uh, those Reds and. Uh, there's some fear about him pitching in Great America Ballpark, but if we're not pitching in Great America Ballpark, like he becomes a lot sexier and of an option. He held um, up in Houston all year until two starts where he was tipping pitches, and it ruined everything. I understand, especially because it came in September, like when you thought you could trust him and you desperately could not. But I think he's still uh, – people just want to get rid of him after those starts. I'm buying back in on Miley pretty easily. I am too. I mean, the one thing you want to just kind of counteract is he's a bad mm-hmm. guy. So, like, you've got to make sure, like, and that becomes the forgotten category. So, like, you want to you want to make sure you're you're offsetting the the poor whips, but the rest should be fine. Like, even with those two bad starts that ruin everything, he still had a sub four ERA last year. So it's it's uh, I, I just think he's one of those real sneaky guys ending up on a lot of my teams late in drafts. Uh, and then finally, Tyler Stevenson. Now, there's a lot of question marks, especially about that, his defense. Let me be clear. Uh, let me be clear. That's not, a, that's not a misspeak. You're not talking about Robert Stevenson, the pitcher. You're talking about t- Tyler Stevenson, the kitch- catching prospect. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's a top-tier catching prospect. Uh, I mean, we talked about a lot of players who really need the DH in the National League. He could be one of those guys. But he's also the player in baseball that needs the robo uh, umps more than anyone, <laughs> because he he is not a good defensive player. There there is definitely some uh, some real he's concerns like, about uh, yeah, like when you when you tell, talk to him about framing, he honestly thinks you're talking about a picture uh, a picture and not a pitcher. So it's uh, but there is a ton of power in this bat. Uh, and uh, I was very impressed with him uh, in, in the Arizona Fall League. Saw him a few times, uh, and I mean, he's a guy I've been kind of following for quite a while. Uh, it's not like Tucker Barnhart is doing anything to keep this role full time, and I think Stevenson is one of those guys in deeper two catcher leagues uh, that could have some really, really nice value. Uh, and so, um, in some fifteen team two catcher leagues, I've just taken him just in the off chance that. That Cincinnati looks like a team that wants oh, to be yeah. all in. They got to be hating that and, you know, how all this went down. As far as you know, with within the context, I, I, the, the the standard disclaimer, uh, their team being blown up for a year due to a pandemic doesn't matter. But when they step back and look at everything they put together, that's a bummer. It's you know it's a small, small bummer there. Uh, but yeah, if we get anything going, they're full bore in Cincinnati without a doubt. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think Kirk Casale or Tucker Barnhart is stopping him from getting a full-time okay. role or, or strong side platoon at some All point. right, I like it. Well, let's move out west here and uh, finish up with the final five. So, for Arizona, I'm going to go with a damn near similar guy to what you just said, and that's Dalton Varsho, um, who can't catch very well, but the longer he can keep catcher eligibility, the better, because he can hit. And he can run a bit. Um, now, Carson Kelly is pretty good. So a full takeover, I don't see it. What I'd really like is some spot starts at catcher and then move around the diamond elsewhere 
and be able to flex that power speed combo. Now, Dalton Varsho has not hit AAA yet, but he's only 23 years old, uh, but he's already 23 years old. So I don't think he's terribly far away either. Um, and if there is no minor league, well, then I think he might be able to be challenged uh, with a major league role where he's bouncing around a bit and being a non-catching catcher most of the time. So I'm going to go with Varsho, deep two catcher leagues. He, he only qualifies a catcher in fantasy this year. Uh, you have to worry about him keeping it in further years. But right now he's, a, he's an afterthought, and I understand why, um, especially with, with uh, Steven Vogt there backing up Carson Kelly. But we're looking for guys out of nowhere. And so he would have to fight through and, you know, usurp vote, vote and then start bouncing around the infield uh, on the days that he isn't catching. So Dalton Varsho is a name to keep an eye out. Yeah, Varsho is definitely on my list. I think he's one of those guys that uh, if he can just catch a few days a week um, and play other positions, and if you add a DH into the National League, uh, he's one of those guys that really benefits. Uh, the guy who needs the DH in the National League more than any other player in the entire National League is Seth. Oh my Peter. God, yes, he must have cried uh, when he wound up wound up in the National League. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he he is definitely not built for for the National League. So uh, if there is DH, like he could be a guy that comes quickly because he is actually I th- the bat is advanced. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty pathetic, the defense. Uh, and then Josh Rojas, uh, another guy that with, it's not necessarily that he needs a DH, but with an added roster spot to the oh. offense in the National League, like he, he could make uh, waves in this lineup. And, and I really like what he's, I, I took him, I believe, as a dollar pick in NL I mean, such a bummer. It seemed, seemingly every move went against him they, that, that yeah. they made was like further pushing him down the depth chart. So Josh Rojas would love, first off, the 26-man roster helps, but then if if there's a DH and maybe they expand it to 30-man, he could be up, ready to go, playing a bunch of spots. I love that call-out. I knew you'd have him on there, so I didn't didn't put him on there, but I definitely wanted him to get some love there too. Let's go out to LA. Now, with this team, I think stuff is so well set. At the same time, they're not afraid to play young guys. So it's like, yeah, it's set. But then if there's an injury or something and, and like a Matt Beatty pops out, I guess I wouldn't be that surprised. I went with Chris Taylor, though. Um, I went with a b- little bit of a boring route because he's still going to play. I'm surprised he's going in the 400s when he's still a part of the mix and can play so many different spots. And, you know, Lux is new. He's, he's not guaranteed to be great. There are, uh, you know, injuries happen. And Taylor can play everywhere. So between the two, Util guys, Enrique Hernandez, Chris Taylor, I went with Taylor. Uh, he's just so cheap. And he's actually uh, a little bit more expensive than Kike. So Kike is even cheaper. But I went with the second base shortstop outfield eligible Chris Taylor. Yeah, I, I don't mind that one. This one is a a bit difficult to do. Uh, I went with Dustin May, who's going to Brown pick 275. So a bit earlier, but I, I think the the big issue is like, where does he fit in the rotation? But if teams do move to a six or seven man rotations, uh, he's going to be one of those guys that in there. Uh, but I, I also have a really, really, really deep cut, uh, like outside the top 
750 picks in, in NFBC, and that's DJ Ooh, Peters. Okay. Um, so DJ Peters is a dynasty prospect that I've loved for a long time. Uh, he like fits that prototypical thing that I, I just look for uh, in a hitter, and that is can he take a you know can he take a walk? And this dude can. And does he have power? And this dude and does. Yes, he yep. does. Yeah, he's definitely going to strike out too much. He, I mean, he's had thirty percent strikeout rates all throughout the minors, but he's also had double-digit walk rates uh, at the same time. I mean, very kind of like Max Muncy-ish, like hitting mm-hmm. profile in terms of you know power with a massive walk rate, uh, and you know and that offsets the the bad average. But uh, I mean, while this team is obviously loaded. It's got a lot of roster flexibility in terms of Ballinger can play multiple positions, Peterson can play multiple positions, Max Muncy can play multiple positions, and then it's it's got that mix with injury yep. guys. <laughs> like, do we really expect AJ Pollock to stay no. on the field? I you know I mean uh, a, a lot you know how long is Justin Turner going to stay on the field? Well, he's up how, there in age. Seager's had some of, issues. Yeah, so like. There's a lot of ways for a guy like Peters, who nobody is talking about, to find like a role. And, he, I mean, he's got the tools to make make it work. And he's at an age now, I think at 24, where it, it's it's time. It's time to give him a shot. So I think he's going to be up at some point, especially when injuries hit. Definitely not going to be opening day, whenever that is. Uh, but DJ Peters is just a guy that I'm, I'm, I'm adding to my watch list. He's not being drafted anywhere outside of... Uh, 50 yeah. round drafted holds, but just keep an eye on An it. embarrassment of riches for that ball club. So, over the last month, do you know that, how many guys the Giants have had drafted in the top 250? Correct. Zero. <laughs> so, pick anyone, pretty much. Post is the only guy at 263, so we're not picking him. Everybody else is open. Um, I got four guys. <sighs> I'm going with Jalen Davis. He's not so, one of them. So I guess we're going to hit on five then. He's got an interesting, you know, bat profile that that could do some, make some noise. He's kind of buried right now, but uh, came over in the Sam Dyson deal, I believe. And um, you know, he can hit. Uh, that, that that's all there is to it. But the Billy Hamilton, Hunter Pence moves, they do push him down. But we'll see if some things open up. There's not a ton to say other than he could hit. I think he could even out hit that park with some pop. Not, not. I don't want to state overstate it. It's not overwhelming power. It was last year, but that was kind of new. But I think he could he could pop some homers, and especially he would actually benefit more from the Arizona plan not playing in Oracle. So Jalen Davis is my guy there. Go ahead and give us a rundown of yours. I mean, I could literally pick like. 10 guys <laughs> on the Giants. Gross. Like it's, it's because like you said, everybody is outside the top 300 picks for the most part. So uh, my boy, Jeff Samarja, obviously he's been a top 20, top 25 uh, starting pitcher before uh, the hard part with Samarja. And I've started to fade him now in drafts is if we're not playing in San Francisco, that hurts. His that value hurts all sure. their sneak pitchers, to be honest. So we'll just put that blanket mm-hmm. statement out there. If you're going to mention yeah, Gosman. So, I mean, yeah, I was going to mention Gosman and, and Johnny yeah. Cueto. I think these are all issues now with, you know, and so I'm starting to fade them a lot more. But the one guy that can really jump up is the aforementioned Billy Hamilton. True. And 
it's because this roster is so bad, uh, not just offensively, but defensively. And that's the one thing he can still deliver that, 100%. Yeah, that he... There's no reason for him not to be kind of at least the strong side platoon of center field, but really the everyday center fielder. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to hit ninth um, uh, or or eighth, depending on, you know, how the Giants mm-hmm. want to approach it. But the game-changing game, game changing speed is obviously still there. Uh, and all he's got to do is just get a little bit of bad bit luck uh, and just get on base just enough to, uh, you know, steal us 30, 40, 50 bases and all of a sudden, your pick going outside of like the top four or five hundred picks uh, is now, uh, you know, returning, you know, fifth, sixth yeah, round value. They could flip that quickly. Like that's that's just how valuable his Billy Hamilton's potential steals are. Which is, it's just where the game is. So that that's how it goes. Anybody else on the Giants? No, I mean, I ju- I mentioned the pitchers yeah. real quick, but I, I I think you know you take a shot. You know, or you stream them in and out, if especially if games do go back to stadiums uh, at some point. But it just it feels like that is a a long shot. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So uh, that that's what makes it hard for them. And let's go out to San Diego here. We got two teams left: San Diego and Colorado. With San Diego, I went with the guy who just absolutely decimated the miners last year, and it's Ty France. Did, have you seen his minor league numbers? They were silly, dude. Um, Let me give you a a taste of what old Ty France did. He had 27 homers, 89 ribbies. He only played 76 games, Justin. 399, 477, 770. Now, I don't care how well things are breaking. Obviously, things are going your way. But that takes some talent to do that over 348 plate appearances. And that's nice. That's really nice work there at age 24. He came up. He could not replicate it, but he hit seven homers. With an 83 WRC plus, the Babbitt fell all the way down to 279. It was at 410 in the minors, which wasn't going to hold. Uh, you know, you take the great hitting environment of AAA and El Paso. You trade it for San Diego. Things are going to come down. I still think I think you can live somewhere in the middle. It's a big gap, though, from going from 196 to 83. So that doesn't say too much. So I'll put a number on it. I think he can be like a 115 WRC plus kind of guy with some pop. Decent counting categories, depending on where he bats. And in particular, some batting average. Because he doesn't strike out a ton. He did strike out at a 24% clip in that major league run. I think he can chisel that down closer to 20. And so I think there's some batting average potential there from Ty France. That's why I like him. He's on the 40, man. He's not guaranteed to get a starting role yet because Brian Dozier and Juan Lagares were non-roster invites. But I'm going to keep an eye on Ty France for sure. Yeah, he strikes me as one of those quad A players. Just too good for the minor leagues, but not quite good enough. For the majors, and I think his defensive liabilities really hurt him. Your defensive so liabilities I, hurt you. This is why I DH in slow pitch softball. Yeah. So uh, the guy that I'm very interested in, uh, especially if we're adding a DH to the National League, uh, so that way he can get maybe a tad bit more playing time, because right now we have him as a strong side platoon guy, is Franchi Cordero. Oh, yeah. You know, he's got power, he's got speed. The question is, uh, is how much is he going to strike out? Tyler O'Neill, basically? Now Tyler basically? He is. Uh, Tyler O'Neill with yep. injury history. Yep. And so, 
Uh, definitely, the Statcast stuff is going to be off the charts with him. Uh, you know, I mean, we have him graded out with 70 raw power and 70 speed. Uh, I think that's probably fairly accurate. The question is, <laughs> what's that hit tool going to be? Uh, and it's likely 30, 40 uh, type hit tool on uh, terms mm-hmm. of grades for, for Cordero. So uh, there's there's a lot of potential. Um, and he, I mean, he is, you know, very Will, uh, uh, Will Myers-esque who's already yeah. on this team. So that that becomes a problem. Will Myers is the one who's got the contract. Uh, that being said, you know, the price is super cheap. So I'll take the shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely hear it. I like I like tool sets like this. I mentioned it with O'Neill, and it is very similar here. The side was actually because I'm still looking at Colorado now, who's our last team. And it's actually tough because you think, oh, well, Colorado, it's easy. But that means anybody with a pulse gets pushed up. Like Sam Hilliard's too high. Like you, you can't really include mm-hmm. him. And you don't want to take any pitcher. And as much as I, I still kind of refuse to give up on him, I'm not going to be foolish and try to recommend Ian Desmond to people. So my guys, Elias Diaz, they've been looking for a catcher on this squad since like Will and Rosario, who could only hit really too. He wasn't even a good catcher, but he was somebody they could put back there and get some production. And we've tried, we've we've been through everybody, man. Tom Murphy actually broke out in Seattle, not Colorado, which is kind of weird. Maybe Tony Walters needs to go to like Comerica to break out or something. I don't understand it either. But they have Tony Walters and Drew Butera. Um, I think Elias Diaz as a non-roster invitee is a much better fit than Butera, at least with the bat. Um, and that's what I that's what I care about because we're talking fantasy here. Diaz actually had some buzz coming into last year after what he did in 18, and he didn't back it up. Uh, he had a rough season and actually got more playing time. So he had the opportunity to do it, and he flopped. Uh, he's going to be 29, but Colorado. And obviously, if they don't go back to Colorado, that curbs that a bit. But Arizona Parks aren't going to be super pitcher-friendly, most of them. So I would still have some interest in deep two-catcher leagues, which is what we play. That's why we give these off-the-radar catchers for Elias Diaz. And I'm curious as to who you picked in Colorado because it is such a crap show. Oh, man, yeah, that this was hard because I want to be like, oh, Sam Hilliard, but his he's gotten some helium, uh, especially the last mm-hmm. couple months, so he, he's obviously not in play. I'm going to go back to the well on a pitcher, um, and that's Kyle okay. Freeland. He's so cheap. Uh, you know, former first-round yeah, former first round pick. If we're not playing in Colorado uh, and we're, we're playing in parks in, in Arizona for, 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 for the Rockies, uh, I think he is a guy that becomes interesting. I mean, we're a season removed from a year in which he threw 202 innings, a 285 ERA, uh, and you know, got 17 wins for these Rockies. I, like it's, I know it's you know the whip is really bad. It's going to be bad even when he's going well. But uh, I, if we're not pitching in Colorado, I you got to start looking at guys like Freeland and Herman yeah. Marquez and start bumping them up call. your boards. And and Gray comes so, back into the picture too. John Gray. Yep. So I, I think Freeland is one of those guys that obviously is a streaming guy in probably just about every league including NL only but just a guy to watch because I mean he was obviously just not right the entire season last year uh and it showed in the results um so you know if he's looking better uh early on in the season he's a guy you you know you you take a kind of a you kind of take a dip 
in those waters just because uh, he's got a little bit of a track record. He's still very, very young, only going to be 27 years old. So I, I like Freeland. I do too. I think that's a good call out there um, on their pitchers. That that's that's my favorite part of that call. So, all right, that's going to do it for our NL breakouts out of nowhere. Hopefully, we get a season to see how these pan out because I think we got some interesting names on here. And um, that's going to wrap us up for the week. Justin, I hope you have a good weekend. Get some rest. Can you want tell the fans uh, about what you got coming up on Saturday? Or excuse me, Sunday of this week. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Uh, I'm doing an all-day live stream. So you can catch it on Twitter, YouTube, or just go to Fangraphs. Because I'll, I'll embed the, uh, the YouTube video over there on Fangraphs. Uh, I mean, no joke when I say all day. It is 12 straight oh. hours, and I'm being joined by four to five guests every half hour. So we're talking about, I, like, I believe I've got 99 people already signed up as guests. So Dude. including yourself, like the, the, the 3 PM Eastern, uh, one that you're doing, uh, is you, Nick Pollock, Doug Thorburn, uh, uh, Michael Simone, who's a SP streamer and, and David Swan from uh, pitcher list. I mean, we're obviously going to be talking about pitching, Can't but wait. you know, I've got a prospect one or I've got two different prospect ones. Uh, a bunch of great guys in the industry uh, and women in the industry going to be joining me all throughout the day. Uh, it's going to be brutal for me because it's going to be 12 hours of sitting in here. <laughs> but uh, we're raising money for charity. Uh, so every dollar raised um, uh, and donated to uh, to my PayPal account will go to Meals on Wheels, uh, an organization really helping people out right now. Uh, and for every dollar you donate, uh, you get a raffle ticket. Uh, into a bunch of awesome uh, gifts that people are giving away, including uh, I'm going to give away a TGFBI spot, at least one. For every $1,000 raised, I'll add an, a, a, another one. We're already over $700 at this point, so uh, obviously going to be giving away a few of those. Uh, a Nolan Ryan signed baseball card, a JD Drew uh, signed baseball, a bunch of draft guides, Rotorare shirts, uh, uh, even, uh, you know, Fangraph's own Brad Johnson is going is offered to allow someone Boom. to come on his podcast um, and be in be a guest on his podcast. So uh, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be uh, many more uh, donated items. So we'll be giving those away all throughout the day. Come check out the live stream. Donate money again. You can do it via PayPal, JustinMasonFantasy at Gmail dot com. Uh, and everything donated uh, is being tracked and will be sent over to Meals on Wheels as soon Excellent. as the live stream ends. Excellent, dude. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And that's going to wrap us up for the week. I'll talk to you on Sunday. Take it easy.